Welcome to The Barbell Strikes Back. I'm your host, James McDermott, and joining me on the show today is yet again another member of the Albany CrossFit Barbell Club team. Everyone, welcome Jen Mills to the podcast. Jen, how are we doing? Hi, James. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. No, I'm glad to finally get you on the show. You've been a member of the Barbell Club for quite some time now, four years about. Yeah, I think it's been four years. I joined Albany CrossFit upon moving to the Albany area and finding a new gym was on the top of my to-do list. So I did CrossFit for a little while and then joined Barbell Club. It's a good thing to have on the to-do list. Uh, You were at CrossFit Cooperstown previously, right? Cooperstown CrossFit. And I was there for like a year and a half. And then I moved. Yeah. What, what brought you out to Albany originally? Just the job or? Yeah, a new job and um, my relationship. So I was working in the same town that you grew up in. I worked for Afton Central School District for a year. And right. then, Crimson Knights. Yes. And then I um, was offered a position for a local district up here. And it was definitely um, a much needed change. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a culture shock going from living in Afton, New York, to all of a sudden being in a, a small city like Albany or Binghamton. You know, like when I first moved out here, I was like just amazed by it. And everyone's like, this is like a small town. And I'm like, yeah, well, to me, this is a giant <laughs> metropolis because Afton, New York is like you look out your door and you can see the whole town. It's tiny. Mm-hmm. I had to learn how to parallel park. The last time I had done that was my driver's test when I was in, I don't know, end of high school. So I'd never done that since moving um, to Afton, Oneonta area, and then learning how to merge onto 87. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's an I experience. I still don't know if I've mastered it. Yeah, it, it definitely takes practice. You know, I mean, I've, I've done it quite a few times now where I'm pretty comfortable with it, but you're definitely not used to the pace of traffic out here like you are in, you know, those more rural towns and cities. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's, that was more my speed, but I've adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. There's more, I mean, there, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, it's, there's more to do out here. Really, there's more shopping to do out here and more restaurants out here, but it just kind of makes you feel like, you know, there's more to do because there's just so many people. You know, you see so many cars. There's so much action. I actually don't know. I don't know how you feel about this. I don't know if I could go back the other way. I don't know if I could ever live in a small town like Afton. When I go back to visit my mom, uh, there's almost like a little a bit of anxiety that comes with it. I'm like, I have to get out of here. I just think that I wouldn't mind living in like a rural area that was still like near a highway to be able to get on to go somewhere quickly. Um, I just remember being out there in the middle of nowhere and everything was an effort to go to grocery shopping, unless it was what I think the big M, which (laughs) that's not really a grocery store. No. Everything was a 20 to 30 minute trip somewhere. So just the convenience factors of living up here. um, I don't think I could trade especially in the winter 
you know, like, like we get slammed pretty hard out here in Albany during the winter and it's an inconvenience. It really, really sucks when you're living in the, out in the wooded areas in a town like Afton and you're on those back roads and that's just where your house is. And they're not going to be plowing that for quite some time. Mm-hmm. If, I had, if, if at all. I had days where it was like, I guess I'm just stuck. This is where I am for the next three days until a, until a plow goes by. Um, and that's just, that was Afton life. That's how things are out there. Yep. Uh, good times, but I'm glad that we've, both have moved on now and we're definitely out here in Albany and we're doing CrossFit. You know, when you moved to the area, what, uh, how'd you find Albany CrossFit? Like what brought, there's so many gyms in the area at about 2016. How'd you find us and what impact that did we make that made you want to stay? Um, I very simply Googled Albany CrossFit and of course Albany CrossFit pops up first it's good and, to have the name. <laughs> yeah, and I thought I was going to do a trial of multiple gyms in the area and test them out, but I got to Albany CrossFit first, and I talked to Shy on the phone, and he had, um, I paid for the drop-in class, and then he said, you know, why don't you test it out for the rest of the week and see how you like it and see how it works with your schedule, so I did, and I just kept coming. It was the end of the week. So then I just signed up for the monthly membership and I um, never looked back. So I think part of it was the location from where I was working. And then when I came in for the first WAD, it just felt like a community. Everyone was really welcoming. And I think it was the Girl WAD week where we were doing a bunch of like Nancy and Diane workouts and I don't know, I just look forward to going every day. So I've, I've stayed. Awesome. Yeah. It just became part of, part of your schedule and, and you became part of the family, you know, part of the yeah. community. And that's a, it's a nice thing about Albany CrossFit. It's like when you come in, everyone's very welcoming and everyone's just there to have a good time and do a good workout. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, it was, so it was one of the girls that was your first workout at the gym. Probably Nancy or Diane or something like that. Yeah, was one of those big ones. It may have, may have even been Fran. Um, and you still came back. We made you do yeah. Fran on day one, and you still came back. Wow. Yep. Well, that's that, that's a that's a testament to how good maybe the the rest of the class was. Yeah, and it was nice um, to be around different athletes. After being at the same gym for a year and a half, you got used to knowing who was going to push up, who push you, who could, who you could count on to um, just make you dig a little bit deeper. But being in an environment with all new people, I was like, oh, all right, I can look around the room and there's people doing things and movements here with different technique or better or faster than my previous gym. So it was just a, just a nice way to find new challenges for myself. What was, um, what was different between, you know, your first gym and Albany CrossFit in the way that maybe the workouts were structured or things were practiced? Was there anything that was just vastly different or something that maybe you hadn't done before? I don't know if anything was vastly different, but I felt like Albany CrossFit was more accommodating just due to the layout and size and shape and schedule 
of the facilities. So knowing that there was this wonderful open gym space that if my day ran 20 minutes later and I had my gym bag in the car, I could still have everything I need, go do the workout at the gym and keep myself accountable and then go home. So I wouldn't totally have missed the day or that there was another class offer just an hour later. That was really convenient. Um, and one of the major differences is my previous gym had only one coach for a long time, which I think there was definitely an upside to that because the coach got to know you really well. He knew all of the athletes there, whereas here there's definitely some benefits to all of the different coaches having different styles, but you might go into a class that's at a different time and that coach doesn't know how you move quite as well or know that this is a strength or this is a weakness. Um, so I think there's definitely pros and cons to both. Um, but those were definitely the two things that stuck out the most. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have uh, multiple perspectives on your movement and how you're going to go about doing the wad. And mm -hmm. who knows, you know, maybe, you know, I, I guess maybe part of the downside of having only one coach is, you know, you might get used to their cues and they might get used to just maybe the ways that you do things. But when you go to visit another gym, someone might just say the exact same thing a different way. And then it, it clicks because they just used a different word or a different example. Yeah, that I find that helpful. Um, even just among the coaches on the Albany CrossFit staff, I tend to go to the same class at the same because it works for my schedule. Um, when I was doing more CrossFit, it was usually the 3.30 class or sometimes five o'clock. Um, those are my usual two ones, which I think you coach most of the time. Um, Yep. Well. I'm, I'm always on at the three 30 and, and the five. So, and then when you join the barbell club, it's, it's me again. It's more you. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm just, I'm just all, always there. What, what made you want to join the barbell club? Was that uh, a case of just me harassing you until you joined? That's typically my recruitment method is just to tell people they should join until they finally give in. Or did you have a desire to just focus on just the barbell? So at Cooperstown CrossFit, we, had a barbell club for a very brief period of time and it just never stuck with enough people, enough interest. So seeing that that was one of the classes that were offered when I looked around at gyms in the Albany area that there was a barbell club at Albany CrossFit, that was definitely a drawing factor. And I didn't have any, I think, real intention of getting into weightlifting the way that I have. I really just initially wanted to learn how to do the snatch and the clean and jerk better so I could be safer at CrossFit. I always felt like, you know, the strength and skill piece of a CrossFit workout is maybe 15, 20 minutes. And I always felt like I could work on this for another 45 minutes or another hour. And I wanted to be able to be able to move better in a wad. And then I just liked it. <laughs> I liked having something specific to work on and see that progress, that needle just inch and inch a little bit further. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It kind of gives you a new perspective on maybe setting goals and achieving them because of just the way the progress is made. 
and it's it is almost maybe a little easier to kind of set goals in weightlifting than in something like CrossFit where you have so many different skills that you want to get better on, but how are you going to allot your time to get better at all of them and train all of them? Whereas in weightlifting, it's like snatch and cleaner. You know, that that's what we're doing yeah. every single day. And you can tackle the snatch and the clean and jerk different ways. Like you can do lifts from the knees, from the hang. Um, you can do, you know, the snatch grip deadlifts. But with CrossFit, I felt like I would make progress in one skill. Maybe I had a pull up, but then I would stop practicing that one skill and try to move on to something else. And then the first skill was gone. <laughs> so it was just hard to stay on top of all of them. Um, and I Sounds felt like, like whack-a-mole, you know? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you'd have a little bingo card and just be like, all right, I'm going to get a pull-up. Okay, got the pull-up. And now I've got maybe toes to bar. Oh, but the pull-up's gone. And that's, I don't know. I love the variety that CrossFit has to offer, but I think that making progress for weightlifting was much more rewarding. In, in what way re re rewarding? I think it was able to take small adjustments to technique and have them build up really quickly for getting a PR, even a one pound PR with the tiny change plates or watching my form and technique improve over the first year. I think I put 25 pounds on my snatch and maybe 40 on the clean and jerk the first year that I joined Barbell Club. So knowing that that progress was happening just was really motivating to go back in class and see can I put five more on? Can I put two and a half more pounds on? Yeah, exactly. You can monitor it a little bit easier versus kind of losing a skill. And, you know, that's a hard part about CrossFit programming is some, some weeks, there might be a week or two where we don't do any pull-ups, but we do a bunch of other things because there's so many skills to work on. What, what have you found with your weightlifting training and when you're setting new records and PRs uh, is kind of the most exciting thing to set a new PR on? Is it uh, the back squat? Is it a clean and jerk? Is it a snatch? Anything like that? I think the snatch because the PRs are harder to get. I hit, before I had surgery, I was at this like plateau of hitting my goal, which was a hundred pounds. I wanted the triple digits. There was something about that 100 that maybe it's the teacher in me um, that I, just wanted that score. I wanted that number, but then I got hung up there for such a long time that the PRs were a lot harder to come by. But when you did get them, they were very, just very gratifying. And a good back squat is just, that's just a fun day to PR. Yeah. That's always a good day in the gym. And with that snatch, it's like you, you put all that work into it when it finally happens, you know, you just kind of look around the room and you're like, Oh my goodness, look, look what I did. It took, yeah. <laughs> it took months to do. And the fun part about it is that everyone else in the room is happy for you as well. Yeah, that's, I think that was really one of the best things about Barbell Club is even though the makeup of the team has changed quite a bit over the past four years, it was always a situation where 
the entire room wants you to get better. Everyone wants to see you PR. Even if you have a little bit of a rivalry going on with a member in the gym, it's always friendly. It's never um, like, I don't, I want you to miss this lift. There's no, I don't, I don't think there's any feeling like that ever. No. Yeah. I, I don't think so either. Well, and you've, this is interesting. You've been a member of the Barbell Club for so long that you've kind of seen it go through many phases and different iterations, you know, both with the programming and also who's kind of been in the room. Uh, I would say the most consistent people in the club, you know, there's, there's Chuck, uh, there's Kim, there's, uh, there's you, and there's Jen Freytag. You know, you guys are kind of like the, 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 the four horsemen and, and ladies that have kind of just been around for so long and everyone else has only been in the club for maybe a year, half a year, two years. So you guys are kind of the veterans of the group. Uh, what, what's it been like going through all these changes on the evolution of our club? I think that our current group is just friendlier um, than other years. <laughs> and that's, that's not a dig or call out to anybody. I think it's just a more welcoming environment. It was definitely a little intimidating my first couple Barbell Club sessions. Um, I've come to just absolutely love Kim, but she terrified me the first couple of weeks of class um, with her with her spot on the ground. But eventually I was accepted into that strip over there, that platform. Um, and I think there's always been an element of Barbell Club, no matter who's in the room, of you're just there to work. Um, you're there to put in the lifts, you're there to put in the time, put in the reps. And I think it's a different environment than a CrossFit class because there are always those consistent members that are there. Maybe not every day, but they're always there. Yeah. And you get to kind of learn what other people are capable of and you start to kind of get invested in their goals a little bit and they know what you're doing. It's funny that, that you, you said that Kim was terrifying. What, what, what about her was terrifying uh, on those early days when you came into the Barbell Club? I think she was just possessive about her spot. But now I understand. <laughs> I understand because there's def everyone has one. But I think she was the most vocal about it along with Chuck. Um, like he's on the back, you know, very end last spot of the platform. That's his space. Um, and you know what they kind of remind me of strong. like those kids that sit in the back of the room with their hats on backwards and arms crossed and they're not quite squared up with their desk and you're like the new kid coming in and you got to sit back there by them that's what they kind of remind me of a little bit but it's not a bad place to sit um and i think that um watching kim train for all of like the pan am games and all of the uh, meets that she went to definitely motiv motivated me to be successful now, but look forward to uh, weightlifting as a master's athlete in a few years, like knowing that that potential is still there, that I'm not going to necessarily peak athletically when I'm in my mid to late 20s, that I can keep going and I can, if I treat my body well, I can continue to do this for the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah. I mean, weightlifting is a lifetime sport, you know, like uh, any, anyone at any point in their life can do it. You know, and that's been a really cool part about going to those master's meets is that, 
sometimes there's people there in their late 70s and 80s. I mean, I really, I think the only age range that I've never seen anyone uh, at a meet be in is the 90s. You know, <laughs> I've never seen anyone in their 90s lifting, but I've seen some, you know, mainly on the men's side, I've seen some guys in their like mid to late 80s. And it's just uh, very motivating to know that like, hey, you can still keep doing this. And it'll definitely help with with life and longevity, you know, there's something to be said that if you can hoist a barbell to your shoulders and put it overhead, well, maybe if you fall down, it, that's not going to be that big of a deal, you know, because you have that bone density and strength. I hope so. I would love to be out there in a singlet when I'm 55, 60, 70. I think that would be really incredible. I might not feel so great about a singlet when I'm 50 and 60, but. Well, hey, you know, who, who knows? Uh, it's, it's always interesting too. I feel like as you advance in age, you start to worry about things like that probably a little less. You're probably just like, ah, whatever, I'm putting it on. Mm -hmm. I'm out here, that's what counts. Yeah, ex exactly. Now to go back to the spot, you know, Kim is very territorial about her spot. And I typically warn people coming into the barbell club about her spot in particular, but then also that everyone has their own spot. Uh, you established your spot in front of hers and that whole strip was dubbed the split strip because both you and Kim were split snatchers. Yeah, um, no more though. I know, yeah, we've so. changed our technique. What, do you remember why, like why did we initially switch you to split snatching? So I, I think I came to Barbell Club doing a split snatch. I think I learned that at Cooperstown CrossFit. Um, I remember in my very like early CrossFit days that I could not understand how to bring the bar up and bring my bar body down at the same time for a snatch when you're raising the bar up but also going under. That made no sense to me. I've never been a very coordinated or graceful person. So those two things just did not jive. Um, and then we had another athlete there who was doing a split snatch. And I asked the coach, I was like, can I try that? Because I'm just so frustrated with the regular snatch that I tried it and it stuck. I could do it. I could get weight up there. It was fast. It took time to get the technique. Um, looking back, I wish I had spent more time trying to learn the regular full squat snatch. Um, I think that my mobility would have improved and I think I could have hung in there without getting injured a little bit longer if I had more dedication and time into that mobility and just more traditional movement. Yeah. And because that's what we're doing right now in kind of rebuilding your movements and taking the time now to learn that full squat snatch and being able to drop under it and receive that weight overhead and have the mobility as well. Yeah. I'm playing catch up now. And I think that I just have a better understanding and mind-body connection for that movement at this point than I did as my earlier four years ago learning how to do CrossFit and weightlifting version of myself. Um, and I think I've learned just to be more patient with weightlifting, that there's going to be a lot of things that just take time to connect. 
but it was hard to stop doing the split snatch because I was being successful with it. Um, I was hitting PRs. It was fun. I liked it. Um, yeah, it was just a very reinforcing uh, kind of circle. Whether I should have, you know, been willing to try to do a different movement sooner, I I can't fix that now. But yeah, that's where we are today. We're kind of well, starting. Yeah, it's, that was yeah. one one chapter of your weightlifting career, you know, and we're kind of moving on past it now because doing all of that frequent split snatching and also the split jerking and kind of added up on the hip and we had some hip things going on which i think when you first started you had some hip things kind of going on but the, on the flip side one of the the good things to come out of it though is you have impeccable split technique now you know uh, i was using you as an example the other day or a couple of weeks ago when i was trying to teach renee how to do the split jerk i'm like well just watch jen you see what she's doing over there because you've got great split technique now on your jerk Thank you. I, I'm glad I can still use that strength and that skill for something, even if it's not a split snatch. So now I just need to get the weight of the clean. Um, that's always been, I think my weakest movement is the clean. And I'd like to be able to get a heavy enough weight up on the clean that I can really use that power for the split for the jerk. Definitely. We, we just got to iron that out. We got to build up all the strength again, but we're hitting comeback PRs pretty mm -hmm. regularly. You know, um, I just mentioned on the show I just did with Frank that you did 75 pounds for a three position clean. And that's the most we've cleaned since coming back from surgery, right? Yeah, that's the most recent PR. And I think even more than it being a PR, I felt it's, I don't know if it's truly my max but it's a weight that I feel very confident and comfortable moving. So it's a good training number. I think if I was able to be in person in class, I'd be able to push a little bit more with some coaching and just more eyes on my technique to get that immediate feedback. Um, but hopefully that can happen soon. Yeah, ho hopefully. Now, uh, just to catch everyone up on the situation, what was the surgery that you had done and this was a little over a year ago, right? It's been mm -hmm. a year and a couple months, but you had a surgery and now we've been on the road to recovery since. So in, I think I have to kind of back pedal a little bit. So in, this, in January, 2019, I was starting to have really consistent hip pain. Um, so I went to my doctor and she had ordered an X-ray. X-ray didn't show anything. I didn't really think that it would, but it led to going to physical therapy, and this is not supposed to happen, but all of the exercises that were supposed to build muscle and build strength were starting to cause more pain, which led to a different round of imaging doing um, an MRI, but with the, it's like a liquid, it's like a fluid that they inject into the bone cavity to light up any like small fractures or fissures or bone spurs and the result how did that feel um really strange <laughs> it's it felt like um just this like very full feeling if you have if you can have a joint feel full <laughs> um, oh, yeah. 
it was yeah it was really strange um kind of like jello-y that's probably the best description it's like a jello-y feeling um and they found that i had bone spurs growing in my hip socket and it could have been there my entire life but i think repeated use of that same side movement for the split jerk and for the split snatch just led to pain sooner than later. I think it was probably going to flare up at some point in my life, but just repeated use um, on the single side for those movements um, led to a arthroscopic hip, hip surgery and they drilled a bunch of holes into my hip socket and then reattached all of the tendons and fibers that the bone spurs had severed. And then instead of having a replacement, I got to keep my hip, but let all of the muscles and everything regrow, reattach and redevelop. So it's almost a longer process than a replacement. And Was then, that your decision? Like, did they offer you, hey, Jen, we can replace the hip? or you can keep your hip and we'll let everything kind of heal back up. So a replacement was never on the table as an option. Okay. They did warn me that because of this injury now and being, I think 27 or 28 at the time, they said that I'd probably be more likely to need one down the road. But my alternative, I had two alternatives to the surgery that I had. I could deal with it and I could stop weightlifting or exercising really. And I was like, that's really not a great option. I'm only, you know, in my late twenties, I would like to be an active person for the rest of my life. And the other option was cortisone shots, but you can only do that for so long before it's not good for your body to keep having those injections. Yeah. And again, neither of those options solved the issue. So I opted for the surgery, I was a good candidate for it because I was otherwise healthy um, and willing to do the recovery work in the PT. Um, and yeah, I did about eight months of physical therapy after that and slowly started to do some more basic strength training and body weight movements and then light barbell, barbell movements. And it really wasn't until I want to say this summer that I've started to feel like trying out the Olympic weightlifting movements was a good and safe decision. Yeah, it's, um, it was a slow build back, but of course you're dotting all your I's and crossing all your T's and making sure you're doing everything the right way, which takes a lot of uh, practice or, or patience, you know, to be able to do that and not just kind of rush back into things. Cause I, I know you get a barbell in your hands and you're just like, well, it's, it's time to go. Right. You know, you, you just, those old feelings kind of come back. Um, but we've been patient with it and it hasn't all been easy, right? Like there've been a couple of times where we tried to do some snatches or clean jerks or even just some, some light squatting and old feelings kind of came back. Right. Yeah. I remember it was pre pandemic. I came in for a couple classes and I think I went for a barbell class on Monday and then barely could walk for the rest of the week. And I was like, all right, too soon, too fast. Um, waited a couple weeks, tried it again. And this has been the most consistent um, 
since we've been open in August, I was able to come in for some in-person classes and now garage training. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, this is um, almost like maybe a little mini blessing, if any blessings can be taken from the pandemic, is that it kind of forced you to not be able to come into the gym and just focus on maybe those yeah. PT exercises. <laughs> That's, I, I think it's a blessing in disguise because in my garage, it was just me um, and Liz and we push each other and we work out together, but it's not the same environment of seeing a room full of people doing movements that you should not try to do right now or can't do to the full range of motion yet. Um, and I was just able to spend more time doing the really monotonous and tedious PT rehab work as my warm up. So if I wanted to spend 30 minutes doing a full like hip mobility warm up. I could do that during the pandemic because I didn't have anywhere else I had to be. Yeah. <laughs> You're just living at the gym 24 seven. You got all the time now. Yep. Just hanging out in my garage. Well, I mean, like I said, it, it was, if I'm always trying to look at the positives from this whole thing. So I guess that's, if you can find one way that it positively impacted you, then maybe it was just meant to be, you know, because who knows what could have happened if we would have kept trying to get back in the gym. Next thing you know, you don't want to take things too far and you're having to get another surgery. Yeah, I think at this point, my mentality is even if it's slow progress or hard like nitty gritty work, I would rather spend my time doing that than I would have another surgery. So um, if COVID-19 kept me safe um, from needing uh, to rehab my leg again, then I'll take it. I won't even complain about it. Uh -oh. yeah. Now, I know doing all the tedious PT work, it's, it's hard. You know, I've had in, in the past, you know, PT work that I had to do and I, I will be willing to bet that I wasn't as diligent about it for me as you were for yourself. Uh, what kind of advice do you have for someone who has to go through this process? You know, maybe they're a little down about it because they can't do the activity that they want to do. They can't lift weights and you can really kind of get a little depressed. You can get down on yourself and just stop doing things altogether. Uh, what kept you going and what advice do you have? So I have two bits of advice. I would say the biggest one is be your own advocate no one else is going to do it for you. No one else knows how your body feels. So if you are experiencing pain in a physical therapy session, say something like, sure, it's supposed to be a little painful, like muscle, like growing muscles and those kind of exercises and exploring a new range of movement is, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a sore uh, thing to do. It's not a, you're not supposed to be comfortable, but trust that your body knows when it's growing pains or problematic pains and speak up about it sooner. I wish that I had done that for myself and I could have um, maybe not gone the full 12 weeks of physical therapy before getting the second round of imaging done. Um, but as far as- It seems as like that would be a hard thing to do too, because you know, it, it, it's hard, I feel, for many people to speak up, uh, not against the doctor, but, you know, like 
the doctor is like, well, we're going to do this. And they're the doctor, you know, so how do yeah. you really argue or say against that? And as you might have a doctor who's not responsive to your feedback too, because they're the doctor, you know, it's a hard position to be in. It is. It's tricky because you trust their medical expertise, but I think more than that, you have to trust that you know your own body and you know when something's not right. And if you have the privilege to have good insurance through your employer or through yourself, um, then go get another opinion. Go talk to somebody else um, because you might, it might not be a good fit the first time. I was initially told ice and a leave and that I was already doing that and it wasn't working. Um, so that just kind of pushed me to keep pushing and getting another set of imaging done or speaking to a different physician. Um, but as far as the staying motivated piece and doing the hard work is the end is worth it. And it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it will be worth it when you can do all of those things again and do them better. Um, and right now I'm kind of in this like new beginner stage of happy workout land where you're getting, I'm getting a lot of new gains and new PRs um, because it's, it's like being a, it's like starting over in some ways. And oh, third piece of advice is you can't compare your, pre-injury numbers to where you are right now that's, that's really hard one. really discouraging i know what my old numbers are um and i would like to do them again but i think mentally just playing the little um not trick on yourself but shifting your perspective to think that okay well I'm only doing an 85 pound clean and jerk right now or 75. Um, but a couple weeks ago I was doing the empty bar. And before that I was doing no clean and jerks. So those are all PRs um, as small as they are. You have to celebrate those victories and those old numbers, you might crush them. Like you might be able to do new things post injury because your body has gotten stronger in other ways that you won't be able to do that you wouldn't be able to do before. No, I, I think that's great advice. You know, um, you, you gotta be your own advocate, speak up for yourself. Uh, you have to kind of be patient with it and realize that, you know, like you said, you you're coming from a place where you weren't doing it and now you are doing it. So just keep taking it slow and doing everything that you needed to do to get to that point of going from no barbell to a barbell is the same thing that's going to take you to no barbell to a whole new lifetime PR. Mm -hmm. And if you try to skip that step, then, you know, who knows, you could injure yourself again. And we definitely don't want that. No, I don't want to re-injure myself. And it's just, it's just fun to do. So I think if you are really driven by, the number and the competition, then that might be harder advice to swallow. But I think that I just really love the sport and I love seeing what I can do and the ways that I get to grow as a person through doing weightlifting that um, it kind of reminds me 
when I was in high school, I ran track and I ran cross country and I was never the fastest person. I was never um, a scoring athlete, but I really liked being on the team and I liked exercising. So that's kind of where I'm at with Barbell Club right now where I might not be taking home any medals anytime soon, but I can still do the work and I can still see myself improve. And that's, for me, that's just very rewarding. And you're still on the team. Yeah, still on the team. You still got Not your spot over there. Yeah. That, that's the best part about it, is just being on the team with a bunch of like-minded individuals who all also love weightlifting. And it, it's fun, too. You know, like, like uh, Shaf mentioned this the other day, uh, Kim came in for a class. And, you know, like everyone was all excited because, like, no one had seen Kim in a while because she's also recovering from, from a surgery. And I'm sure people felt the same way. They're like, here's Jen. We haven't seen Jen in, in, in a while, you know, since before the pandemic. And it's just, uh, you get excited to see one another and then see them back on that comeback, making progress again. And it's just um, one team. Yeah, and I think everyone is really good about respecting each other's own kind of weightlifting journey. And you might be using each other for some friendly competition and some motivation, but no one I think looks around the room and is like, Oh, you can't do what you used to be able to do before and think any, any less of each other. So I think it's just a very positive place um, to just a good environment to be in. It has positive energy and everyone just wants to see each other do better. Definitely. I mean, hey, that's that's our logo, our our slogan. Yeah, be better. It is, and it works. Yeah. Now, um, you've you've we we mentioned we talked about this the other day. There is a slight possibility you might be making a comeback to the competition scene. We did talk about this. Slight slight chance there is a meet coming up in December, Christmas and kilos meet, and I went back and I looked up uh, your competition history. So we've done three meets before. Mm -hmm. And the last time we did a meet was all the way back in 2018 in Syracuse. And that was probably like in a, in a February. So February-ish 2018 was the last time we've done a meet. So it's been, it's been a while since we've got out there. It's been, yeah, it has been a little bit. I would, I would love to do it again. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, we used to do those uh, meets in Elmira. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about that was there would be a spring meet in Elmira and then a fall meet in Elmira. And your first meet was in the spring and then your second meet was in the fall. So you kind of get to see your improvement, you know, uh, during that time of training, like, okay, have I gotten stronger? Are my lifts going up? And then your competition PRs would go up. So I was, I was just looking at it. I'm like, this was such a cool thing that we used to be able to do back in the day when they were hosting those meets twice a year. Yeah. Those Elmira meets were a lot of fun. Um, it was after I did the first meet, I don't think I hesitated about doing another one. It was just a really neat experience. And um, it felt like I've put so many hours in with this barbell in my hands, but am I a weightlifter if I never go on the platform? I don't know. So you have to go, you yeah. have to go and do it eventually. Yeah, you gotta get the singlet and go out, go out there. Do you remember what your initial thoughts were when I presented to you guys like, okay, we got this meet coming up. You know, I don't remember how it all went down, but what, what was your initial thoughts on doing a meet? Are you a naturally competitive person? Do you seek out competitions 
or was this a tough decision to make? Um, I've, I don't know if I'm a competitive person against other people, except for board games. Um, then it's, com then I'm a competitive person. There's going to, um, there's going to be tears for someone on Monopoly. Um, yeah, or Rummy Cube or, uh, any, any board game, then, then it's a true competition, but I'm more competitive with myself. I want to see myself do better. And I think that the first meet you had announced a bunch of meets before I signed up for one. And I just didn't feel like I was ready, but I also don't know what I was waiting for. Of like if I was waiting for a certain number to be able to lift before I sign up, well, who knows when that's going to be. And I think that at the time we had a pretty big group of us go. I think it was myself, Michelle, Kim, I think was, maybe Kim was there. Hannah was there. Tracy was there. We had just a good group of people going. And I just thought, all right, like, why, why not now? Let's just do it and see what happens. I've never done it before, so I don't have anything to compare myself to. Um, so whatever I do at that meet was going to be a PR. Just getting on the platform was going to be a PR. Yeah, comp competition PRs. It's typically, you know, uh, like you said, people when they're thinking about doing their first meet, they're like, well, I want to do it when I can lift X. But just because you can lift X doesn't mean you can lift X at the meet. It's almost the same thing of when people say, uh, all right, I'll start CrossFit when I get fitter or when I'm in shape. But it's like you're going to do CrossFit to get in shape, you know, so why wait to do it? And yeah, doing absolutely. a competition will help you get to that weight. Because once you're done with the competition, you're all pumped up about it. You're more enthusiastic about weightlifting. And typically what happens is a lot of people will go back to training and PR right after a competition, just coming off of all that energy. Yeah, I don't know if that happened for me. I think I was initially pumped that I did it and then really grateful that I wasn't going to have to do it again for a couple months. <laughs> yeah, you got some time off, some time off. But it was, in, it was motivating to... Um, know that my training was for a purpose, that there was going to be another competition. So you, I wasn't going to become satisfied with a certain number. Oh, I can do X now. I can lift, you know, blue plates on the clean or whatever it is um, that next goal is and just be like, okay, I can stop here now that, all right, well, there's more work to do. There's another meet coming up. There's something else to train for. And you got to get to red plates. Yeah. Then red, red plates with some colors on them and it just keeps mm -hmm. going. There's all these, all these goals that, that you can set. And it's cool to see the progress from one meet to the next. Like uh, looking at your results, your third attempts turned into your second attempts. And then your second attempts turned into your openers. And little by little, we're making those incremental increases on your weights from one meet to the next. And really, I think it's just what was going on with your hip that took you out of the competition game because it looked like you were looking at back through all the posts, you were doing every meet that was coming up. Yeah, I was really into it and I liked the competition. It was definitely nerve wracking, 
but if I wasn't injured and recovering, I think I would have continued to compete and I'd like to keep doing that again. Definitely. Well, coming up here in December and, you know, we, we may not be at our old PRs, but the cool thing will be that the PRs that you've done before were your split snatch PRs. Mm-hmm. So your old competition PR for the split snatch was 43 kilos. We don't have one for the squat snatch. So that this will be a whole new thing to kind of go out there for. And we'll see where the clean and jerk is. We, you know, we're going to build that up over time. Your old PR for that was 54 kilos. So at some point we'll be surpassing all of it. I think so. I think it's coming. It's coming. Now, are you, are you going to get all new gear or are you going to go with the old tried and true gear? Um, I need new lifters. I was looking at them the other day and they're just sad now. <laughs> um, yeah. They're just not quite as sturdy as they used to be. So I think that's the only item I'm going to replace. The singlet still, um, I'm pretty sure it still fits. So I don't, you only wear it for that day for the meet. So I think I'll keep my equipment and just get new lifters, maybe a good Black Friday or holiday shopping deal. Hey, yeah, I forgot about that. Black Friday is going to kind of pop up between now and the next meet. And, and, you know, I'm surprised no one on the team has really developed any kind of equipment sickness, so to say, you know, like there are some people out there and like on the CrossFit side who have a shoe problem where it's like, you have way too many CrossFit shoes. You keep buying them, you know, because it's so easy now to go online and just click the button and someone's sending you a gift. Yeah, I think... Maybe this is another uh, pandemic win, but with Amazon Prime no longer being truly two days, I don't feel that compulsive need to just buy something because it will show up so quickly. I think that that's definitely cut down on my own spending and shopping habits because you don't really need anything that fast. Very, very few times do you need something. You might want something, but those are are separate yeah i think that's typically the case you know you're you're laying awake in bed scrolling through amazon on your phone and you can just order it right then and there yeah now i want to talk a little more about competitions in general uh you've done crossfit competitions uh Mm -hmm. because you've done fall face off at the gym and friday night fights and you've also done you know other competitions in the open and then we have these weightlifting meets that we've done what's kind of your competitive mindset you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure anyone listening to this right now can, can, can get the fact that you're very cool, calm, and collected. And that's actually when I looked at one of the posts from the weightlifting meets, that's actually what I wrote in the caption. I said, Jen was very cool, calm, and collected for her first weightlifting meet. You know, there was no other, I don't know about the inner turmoil, but there was no outer turmoil at the meet. So what's your kind of competition mindset? And does it change CrossFit versus weightlifting? Oh, I don't know if it changes from CrossFit versus weightlifting. Um, I think I just try to focus on that I'm there to do my best and whatever that is that day, if I can leave knowing that I gave it 110, then I walk away happy. Um, I've been fortunate enough that I've earned a few medals at the different meets but they'll put their they will proudly hang in the garage but I don't I don't think I need one to say that I did the meet um and 
I think I just treat it like an EMOM workout in some ways with weird timing because you have to make sure your timing in the back um, behind the platform actually gets you where you need to be up at the front. And I think after the first one, after the first Elmira meet, knowing how it runs and how it works, you only have to hype yourself up for like six minutes. That's all you need to be excited, like really pumped up for is six minutes for each of your attempts. Um, and then getting through the weigh-in, I think that that part was just nerve wracking, even though I never missed weight, missed making weight. It was just the, that was the first step before the meet actually started. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. You know, those medals that you got, those, um, were during a time where the weight class that you got them in were only a weight class for the ladies lifting for a very short amount of time. It was mm -hmm. like, like less than six months because uh, it used to be 75 class and then they moved all the numbers around and like moved them over to like nineties and that went away, you know, like when in short term. So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of cool that like those medals, not only do you have them, but it's from a brief, portion of time in weightlifting history. Yeah, it was a very short-lived. I remember it when I entered the competition aspect of weightlifting, looking at the different weight categories for um, women and thinking like I was, I don't think I was in 75. I don't, I'd have to look back at the numbers, but I remember being um, in the open-ended category like the final weight um, class for a meet or two and thinking, how can I possibly compete <laughs> against people that have such just different bodies than I do? And I remember being very excited when they did rearrange the women's weight categories because I felt like at least mine was going to be more similar to people my size and um, ability level. I thought that was just a little bit fairer for me as an athlete. Yeah, um, there, there was a big gap uh, for a while there, and it kind of still is. It's, um, I, I don't know, uh, there's like rumors that they'll change it again after, after this next Olympics. Who knows what's going to happen, but what it's a very difficult, you know, aspect of the sport, more so I feel on the ladies' side than it is the men's side, although I've, I've worked with quite a few men who it's an issue for as well. But what, what are your thoughts on having the weight classes just displayed and you kind of go to a meet and you have to just be open and raw about what your weight is? It's a sensitive subject for a lot of people. I think, it, yeah, it can be. I think in a sport with like weightlifting, powerlifting, any strength support or fighting um, martial arts, MMA, I think that that is probably the most fair way to score the sport. So I don't disagree with it. And I'm not super sensitive about my body weight. I think um, one of the things that I liked a lot about CrossFit and weightlifting was that all different bodies are celebrated in those sports um, in a way that um, other sports, it's not, there just isn't as much body diversity. So I felt like that was something for me that I really liked seeing in weightlifting and in 
um, the CrossFit gyms too, because, you know, you might have your smaller athletes that are great at body weight movements and your bigger athletes that are, you know, going to give you a really powerful deadlift, really incredible back squat or a clean and jerk. So seeing all of those bodies being celebrated, I thought was really just an empowering experience. But as far as displaying the numbers, I think the focus is on what you're there to do that day. Or at least that's how it is for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, um, it's cool. It, 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 being able to include so many different bodies, it really does make it feel more like a community, you know, like, mm-hmm. like everybody's is, is, is involved. Weightlifting is a very inclusive sport and so is CrossFit and powerlifting. That's the great thing about all these strength sports or just, you know, fitness in general and fitness has had kind of, you know, there are probably some sects of fitness that aren't inclusive and not as accepting, but I think it's a good thing. That's what's going on right now, especially it being exposed to so many people on such a large scale, like it is today. Definitely. I think there's always room to improve. Um, I think in my world as a special ed teacher, like the, I look at accessibility a lot um, for my students and seeing how workouts and weightlifting can be made for all different kinds of needs and abilities and strengths. Um, Yeah, I think that's just overall a very positive kind of gym to be in. But I think that speaks to the community that we have and the coaching staff as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, we have a very diverse as well, you know, uh, coaching staff and just people in, in our gym and people who can lend their experience, uh, you know, from different struggles and to kind of help raise everybody else up to a higher level. Yep. Now, bonus question here. Uh, you mentioned Liz earlier. When are we going to see Liz in Barbell Club? We got weights to be lifted. I know. I don't, I don't think we're going to see Liz in Barbell Club. She's let me try, um, teach her the basics for the clean and basics for the snatch and I've told her that I think you'd get more comfortable doing it if you had a coach to help you with it. Um, I'm right here. And I know, I know. Um, and one of the downsides of our garage is you have to stand in a very specific space for weightlifting um, or any overhead movements because we have the garage door opener and we have like the lights. So the margin for error is very small. You have to really pretty be, com- be pretty confident and capable putting a barbell overhead without destroying um, our garage gym. So yeah, you don't I don't think that helps the confidence factor in uh, being willing to try a movement where you might have to bail or you might lose control over the bar. Well, maybe in time, you know, maybe, maybe know. when she sees you I'll back on this, this, this comeback, you know, um, and I know she's been to a couple meets as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's one meet that sticks out in my mind. This is Elmira. This might have been the fall meet where they had a barbecue truck outside. Mm-hmm. And both me and Liz went to town on that barbecue truck. We had giant platters of macaroni and cheese and brisket and pulled pork and all kinds of other stuff. Yeah, that was probably the best part of that meat was eating afterwards. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because like I, it tells you how good that barbecue was because I remember having my platter and eating it 
while sitting in the audience watching another session. And I remember Liz being behind me eating hers. And I kind of turned around at one point and we just nodded to each other, like this unspoken, like, yes, yes, we are in heaven right now. This is, yes. this is good. So I, I remember it. That's how good that barbecue was. Yeah. And we're actually going out that way for a trip later in October. And if I can find a place to get that barbecue, we will be getting it again. Yeah. You're going to have to reach out to, to, to Jim at Jim's gym out there and, and see if maybe he can give you the name. Maybe even drop yeah. in there for a little workout. Yeah, definitely. Now, I want to talk training a little bit, Jen. Uh, in, in training, when we're doing these tough workouts, like the EMOMs, like we'll do EMOMs, it's August, it's, we're in the, our Barbell Club room, and it, there's no fan. For many years, see, a lot of these newer Barbell Club members don't realize, for many years, there was not a fan. Uh, and then we got a fan and now COVID hit, so we can't use the fan. But there was a brief time where we were able to enjoy the benefits of a fan. But you remember those sweaty first days of the EMOMs when we're doing 20 minutes of snatches and clean jerks. What, what, do, you, what do you use to internalize to get you through some of those tough training sessions that we're doing? Um, usually I think about what I'm going to eat afterwards. Like that's my motivation is that's a great idea. What what's for dinner later. Um, and then whenever I think about wanting to complain, I remind myself that I volunteered to be here and I pay to be here. Um, so this is entirely voluntary and I am making the decision to do this. So, so when your hands are person... from doing the um, snatch grip deadlift isometric holds, we're doing, you know, off the floor, the knee and the hip. You remember those. Uh, you're just like, you know what, I'm going to have a big burger for dinner tonight or something like that. Yep. I'm thinking about what's for dinner and reminding myself that this is voluntary. This is fun. And I pay to do this. Well, that, um, that makes sense. Cause you never seem frazzled in training or anything like that. You know, uh, like other people, like they'll get emotional. They'll be dancing around in pain, shaking out their legs, doing all kinds of things. Um, but you're always just, like I said earlier, just cool, calm, and collected. And now I know you're just thinking about food. Yeah, I'm thinking about food and probably a hot shower. And I think like at work, I teach special ed. So I have, one of the things I love about my job is that it's never the same. And I like the challenge of it. And I like not knowing what's coming next. But I think it's led me to be very calm because you have to make all of these kind of decisions and you have all of these scenarios that are unpredictable. Um, and I think that just kind of carried over into the other parts of my life too. Well, that, that's a beautiful thing about training with weights, you know, is that it, it can make you confident out of the gym, you know, kind of going through those hardships and training or, you know, um, accomplishing a big goal on a PR and just feeling strong in general. It, do you feel like the training that you do in the gym helps you in your job during those difficult times when maybe, you know, there's an issue with one of the students or something else bigger is kind of going on? Yeah, I think the gym um, has always been kind of a place of solace. And if I can get there, then the training takes care of itself. All you have to do is show up with your clothes on. Um, and the rest of it, that's where it happens. But in my 
outside of gym life, I think that the lessons of like being disciplined and patient and having a goal, I think those are all things that when you're younger, um, you have parents or friends or family or teachers who help you with those things. They help you be driven or organized and they help push you. But as an adult, you have to take that on yourself if you want to continue to challenge yourself. So having a place like a gym um, where you have goals or you have things you want to accomplish just helps you keep chasing being a better person and a better athlete. No, I, I think that's 100% true. And, and I haven't really thought about that way in a while where, you know, you're just on your own. You have to be responsible now. There's no one else you can blame for things. And I know there mm -hmm. are athletes out there that will blame their gym or their coach because they didn't do X, Y, Z, but really so much of it is just on, it's all on you now, you know, mm -hmm. as an adult. Yeah, I think if you can get there, or right now for me, if I can get into my garage and do the workout, then the rest of it falls into place. Yeah, and it's a huge, it's a pillar of your life. It's, um, it's, it's something that you want to be around again for years on end. So you're going to go that extra mile to make sure that it falls into place. Yeah, and when we bought our house two years ago, one of the requirements was to have a space that could be a gym in the house. Um, that was like a, a bare minimum house buying requirement. So we went and we looked at five different houses and I remember sitting there thinking, would a rig fit here? Nope, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and trying to explain that to a realtor, you sound a little like a little crazy, but they're there to help find you the house that would work best for you. And I was looking at a basement in a different house thinking, all right, it's just tall enough, but I can't snatch in here. I so can fit a rig, but I can't snatch. So I can't buy this house and it doesn't have a garage. So unless I'm going to put the rig in the living room, um, it's not, this is not the house for us. So. That's amazing. The realtor is like, like, so what about this one? You're like, I can't snatch here. And they're like, I don't know what to do now. Oh, oh I'm awesome. sorry, James. I'm getting a phone call. Oh, that's I all right. That. Um, okay. So yeah, that was, uh, was that Liz? Tell her to sign up for Barbell Club. And no, we'll she's hiding in the, she's hiding in the other room. Oh, uh, hiding, all right. <laughs> but yeah, we, and I think that with like, even schedule like unpredictabilities like things that pop up it takes the excuses out of it you know all right i might miss class today but i don't have to miss the workout altogether yeah i can and do right it now, i can do it we're at working home. together to make sure you stay on track and it's really really a blessing that you have this space in your house and you're able to do the barbell club training at your house, you know, if, if you can't come to the gym. Yeah, and right now with all of the potential COVID exposures um, with students in my classroom, I, I don't wanna be the plague rat that comes in and uh, ruins a good thing for everybody else. So until my class of students is back and healthy, I will continue to be in the garage. Yeah. And we'll just keep modifying the programming and then, you know, you'll be back in the gym at some point and hopefully 
in the end we'll be able to move past all this COVID stuff. And yeah, I think it's a little hard to be accountable to do the workout exactly the way that I would in class when I'm at home. I might go faster through the warm up. I might, you know, not go for the heavier lift the way that I would if I was in class, but I'll work on those things. Yeah, maybe I'll have to film like uh, me leading the class through the warm up at some point. And then you can just like play that, that video and just be on the same point of everyone else. Cause you know, it is true when we're in class, we hold some of those positions and do so many reps that it it's tough. You know, we might be in the power position for a while and then maybe I'll have to go over and talk to someone and be like, Hey, Miguel, push your knees back or Hey, Shaf, pull your shoulders back. That's all time. The rest of you are holding the bar. You know, and you're probably thinking in your head, come on, Shaf, pull your shoulders back so we can do <laughs> do this snatch. So it's um it, it it is definitely different doing it in the group versus in person. Yeah. I think or by yourself. Um, yeah, being there is a big difference, but it's nice to know that I can still get the work done. I just I think I miss the just talking to your neighbor at the other station next to you and just the little training tips that I still do get, you know, from the videos that I send, but um, it's not real time. So you can fix it for your next rep. I think that's where I think one of the downfalls to remote training is. Yeah, definitely. Like it's in person is, is so much better where it could be like, Hey Jen, you're, you're pulling early with your right arm and only your right arm. And that's why it's feeling yeah. weird. It's good to be able to get that feedback right away. Cause otherwise if, if I tell you that on the video, it's good to know, but it's like, what are you supposed to do with it now? You know? Yeah, I'll try. I'll try to remember to fix that on, you know, my next training session, but it's not the same as you giving me that feedback and then you waiting for my next rep to make sure that I did it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of just being in person. So we'll, we'll get back to there soon. We will. In, in general, you know, you've been a part of the, the Barbell Club for so long. What would you say is um, your favorite thing that we do? We do so many variations of the lifts, like you mentioned before, and so many different drills and types of workouts. What's, what's the one thing where you see it in the programming and you're like, oh, I'm getting in there every day. I can't, can't wait for this. Oh, no one else is going to like this answer, but I like the imams. Um, <laughs> I think I, I like to count down and I do love when we do the complexes like the Oli bear or, um, just the different ways to do those two basic your or three basic lifts, your clean and jerk and your snatch, like any variety that you can do to mix them up a little bit makes for a good training session. Except we haven't the done the in a while. If yeah. I see a thruster, I'm just like, no, I'll, st I'll still show up, but I will not be having a good time. I think, I think everyone's in agreement on that. Is that, is that the other end of the spectrum? Is that your least favorite thing that we do when we're doing heavy thrusters, let's say in a complex or something? Yeah. Heavy thrusters. Um, I'm just, I have a very hard time with them. They hurt. I don't like them. <laughs> and um, what were we doing? We were doing behind heavy, behind the neck um, lunges. 
at one point. Yep, we did um, uh, overhead lunges. Uh, and was it in a complex too? Was it like a, I'm trying to remember what it was. No, I, it was a while ago. We were going, we were taking our barbells and we were walking up down the length of the room and back with them. Oh, jerk steps. Yes, jerk steps. I grew to like them more, but they, they're just hard. Um, yeah. Bracing, it's so much core strength. Yeah, we'll talk about splitting, just splitting across the room and walking it back. Yeah, and I think we were doing them, well, we did it probably back when, when you were still um, in the club early. We probably did them with, with the bar. And recently, in recent years, we've done them with kettlebells in the front row. Oh, we've done those. Yep, kettlebells. Um, yeah, those are just grueling. You just full body sweat when you're done with those. Yeah. Well, hey, both of those things need to come back eventually. Thrusters and jerk steps of some sort. What if we did them in an EMOM? I'll see you next training cycle. Yeah. <laughs> And Jen is retired from the barbell club and weightlifting. A thruster imam, that would be interesting. Or like a, um, yeah, because like instead of doing a clean and jerk every minute on the minute, what if you did a clean into a thruster every minute on the minute? It would go by faster than a clean and a jerk. So it actually might hurt a little less than a regular clean jerk imam. I'm not responsible for this idea. I, I, take should, I take zero responsibility if this shows up in our next cycle. No one can see the look on your face as I'm like working this through my head and whatnot. But I've, I've literally never thought about doing that until just now. And I like the way it sounds. Please stop thinking about that. So maybe, maybe. All right. Some I'm putting it on my list. Someday I will see the thing is there has to be a reason to do it. And in our next training cycle, we're going to be, prepping for the meet in December, which will conveniently end the last week of the training cycle, the week of the meet. So we're, we're definitely not going to do it then. Maybe this is a sometime in 2011, if I could find a reasonable spot to put it in. We'll see. Okay. So we'll see. So, and then by that point, many other episodes would have passed on the podcast. People will forget that you were the one that told me I should do this. I did not say that. <laughs> That's just how I heard it. So in the Barbell Club, Jen, what has been your uh, most memorable moment or favorite thing to happen so far, either uh, in the Barbell Club and training with the group or competition or even both? What memories do you have? Um, I think uh, one of my most memorable moments for just my own, you know, athletic achievements, I think was finally getting a hundred pound snatch. That was just a really awesome moment. I know I mentioned it earlier in the episode, um, but I think one of my favorite parts of being in the club is when we throw the mock meets before anyone in the club is going to a big event. I think that that's really cool that everyone comes together and does, uh, you know, shows up and helps push the other athletes to prepare for something that's really important to them. And it gives you kind of a little neat experience in the meantime. And just like running through the whole thing where you're really supporting everyone, you're loading the bar for them. 
um, and just it's another just kind of way of supporting each other. So the mock meets are definitely a favorite. Yeah, no, I agree. I love the mock meets we do. And we're going to do one at some point in late October, early, mid-November, because late November is Thanksgiving and crazy for everybody. So I'm, I'm trying to find a spot on the schedule where we can do a little mock meet before that December meet, just to kind of get back into like, okay, don't put your feet on the bar because that's against the rules now. And like mm-hmm. just getting, you know, like doing a, a lift where this is an attempt and you're being judged. So, and of course, for everybody to kind of experience it before they go out there, because we're going to have quite a few people who've never done one. Yeah. And I always enjoy the end of class where it's PR attempt time. And even if it's not your day to PR, just staying around and waiting and watching to see, you know, you've been watching your teammates and the other athletes in the room work for that number. You've seen them miss that attempt 50 times, 20 times, even just once. So you know how much hitting that lift means to them. So then just sticking around and waiting for it and being able to cheer for them when it's happening is pretty cool. Yep. And then to get to watch them ring the, uh, the old PR bell. bell. I remember Kim has that cowbell. Yeah. Penn State cowbell. Awesome. Well, yeah, those are great, great experiences. And we're going to build many, many more great experiences to come here as we get back into lifting. And as the world continues to change, we'll see what happens with that. But hopefully you'll be back in the gym very, very shortly. Uh, Jen, it's been so. great having you on the show. Uh, any, any other closing thoughts or, or words of wisdom that you want to impart the listener with or anything to say? I think that if you are finding yourself wanting to try weightlifting, just do it. Just do it. Try it out. And you're stepping into an environment with a bunch of people who are here to support you and help you just be, just be better. Exactly. I love yeah. it. What, what else you got to lose, right? Yeah, nothing. Maybe an hour <laughs> Yeah, yeah no. of your time. But it'll be a fun hour and then mm-hmm. you'll be hooked. Well, awesome, Jen. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people follow you if there is a place to follow you? Are you on Twitter, Instagram? Um, Instagram at Jennifer and my last name, Gerardin, or previous last name. Uh, maybe you know, I'll have that in the show notes in case everyone anyone wants to yeah, look that up. I should have spelled that for you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. And also people can find videos of you lifting on the Albany CrossFit Barbell Club Instagram page. So check that out. Make sure you follow the Barbell Strikes Back on Instagram. Follow me, James A. McDermott, on Instagram. And Jen, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, thanks, James. This was a lot of fun.